Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Word of God for our study this Sunday is our second lesson, 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 8, bulletins, and already read. Your friends in Christ, you're not alone. You're not crazy. The world has changed. Things are not the way they were. Go back 50 years, 20 years, five years, even one year, and compare it to the world that we woke up to this morning, and we will all see differences. Some of those differences are good things. Some are bad things. Some are things that some of us think are good and some of us think are bad. I don't have to give you examples. You've probably got already quite a few going through your minds. But put them all together and they add up to big changes that we can have trouble adapting to. And in many cases, changes that people don't want to adapt to at all. It is as though the world has been turned upside down. Things are not as they were. You fathers here or watching with us online can mostly attest to, most likely attest to the fact that much about being a good dad has changed, sometimes drastically since we were growing up and, and definitely since our own fathers were growing up. Sometimes it's hard to know whether the things that we learned as boy, boys can even be taught to our children today, let alone our grandchildren tomorrow. The Apostle Paul never married or had children, but he looked on Timothy as his true child in the faith. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write two letters to Timothy, which we have as part of the New Testament. Two letters to prepare and instruct that young pastor for his ministry in a world turned upside down. In the time since Paul had begun his own ministry, and since Timothy had first heard and believed the gospel, many things had changed, especially for those who followed Christ and preached his message. The Roman Empire, which previously had pretty much ignored this little thing coming out of this little corner of their, 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 their empire in Jerusalem. The Roman Empire had become hostile to Christianity under Nero, and persecution was becoming more the norm than the exception. But at the same time, the gospel had made great strides throughout the world and was beginning to change it. The Christian church was also changing, though, not just because it was growing, but also because it had, as it still has, sinful people within it making sinful choices and simply doing foolish things. But all that was really no surprise for Paul or for Timothy. Anyone who knew the Hebrew Scriptures, which they did, would have been familiar, for instance, with the book of Jeremiah, which we read from earlier, which revealed a prophet struggling to minister to a nation that had become increasingly hostile to God's truth, even as they increasingly needed God's help 
There were the last days of Judah before the Babylonian Empire reduced their land to rubble and took the people into exile. And Jesus, as we read in our gospel today from Matthew 10, warned his disciples and all the church about a world in which brother will hand over his brother to death and a father will do the same with his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. A a world in which they will be hated by all people because of Christ's name. A world in which they will need to flee to the next town when they are persecuted and in which they will be called Beelzebul because he, their master, had been insulted in that way. So I guess we could say that the believer should always expect his or her world to be turned upside down. Whether we're talking about the positive changes that the gospel brings in people's lives, the tragic effects of sin in society, or actual opposition to our faith, or even persecution for it, we should recognize the abnormal as normal for us as Christians and as Christ's church. But that does not mean that we just throw up our hands and say, woe is us, or I don't know what to do. We have been given the perfect answer for a world turned upside down. It is what the Lord called Jeremiah to do, despite his terror on every side. It is what Jesus sent his disciples out to do. It is what Paul's ministry was all about. And it is what that apostle here solemnly charged Timothy to keep on doing. Preach the word. Give them the law and give them the gospel. This is the Holy Spirit's commission to every minister and an instruction to every Christian to listen to God's Word, to trust it, share it, and put it to work in his or her life. It is His prescription for all people and every situation and for all times. Paul says here, be ready whether it is convenient or not. A more familiar translation of that is in season and out of season. The basic idea of the Greek here is at opportune times and at inopportune times. The apostle recognizes here that there are going to be some occasions when it is relatively easy or at least expected to proclaim or share the Word of God. On Confirmation Sunday, for instance, it's clearly convenient for me to preach a sermon here about faith in and faithfulness to Christ. It is an opportune time for the confirmand to confess his or her faith when examined. And all the Sundays up to that point, it has been in season for Sunday school teachers to teach him or her the Bible. But but when I have a text in front of me whose message I know is going to rub some members the wrong way, it may feel like an inopportune time to preach that text. That same confirmand, when confronted with a peer at school who is mocking Christ and the cross, might find it 
inconvenient to confess, let alone defend his or her faith. And many a teacher of the Bible has decided that a need for time off means that sometimes the Word of God is out of season. Certainly, there is a temptation to curl up and and clam up about Jesus, truth, and the Scriptures when our world seems turned upside down. I'll know better what to say when things have settled down, we tell ourselves. We reason, it could cause me who knows how much trouble if I spoke up now. I'll I'll wait another day until I can find a way to, to talk about the cross without offending anyone. But a mixed-up, changing, dynamic society needs now precisely what we are given to proclaim. The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, which are God-breathed, which are useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, well-equipped for every good work, which is how Paul spoke of the Bible in the verses just prior to our text. So let's take a walk through his words to Timothy here and see how we are encouraged to do this, not just when our message is welcomed, but also when it is unexpected or even unwanted in an upside-down world. First, Paul solemnly charges his young friend in the presence of God. You know, there was a time in our culture when pretty much everyone had some knowledge of and respect for God. Not that they were all Christians, but they still had sense enough to recognize that there is a God and that it would be best not to mess with him, at least not too much. Today, those who live with respect for the presence of God are in the minority And his name is taken in vain and used blasphemously. His truth is mocked and rejected. And his authority is denied and defied. So what are we to do? Clam up? No. Preach the word. We can't change people from sinners into saints or from mockers into model Christians through legislation or social media campaigns or shaming or or bribery. The only thing that can do that is the word properly preached. The law of God to show us our sin and the gospel of Christ to show us our Savior from sin. But that Savior, Jesus, is also the King who is coming at the end of all things to judge the living and the dead. Now, there's nothing that can be done for those who are already dead. Their time for taking hold of his salvation is past. But those who are still living still have the opportunity to put their trust in Christ, to have their sins forgiven, to be given his righteousness as their own, and to gain eternal life in heaven. And that means that someone has to tell them what the Word says whether it is convenient or not. We have to give them the gospel, which is, as Paul calls it in Romans 1, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
Of course, the word is not useful only for saving sinners. It is also to be used, Paul says, to correct and rebuke those within the church. Maybe, maybe it's a brother who thinks he has some kind of exemption from one or more of the Ten Commandments. Perhaps it's a sister who believes her tongue is best used for sharing the latest gossip about her neighbors and fellow church members. Maybe it's a father who mistakes harshness and anger for discipline. Perhaps it's a child who has decided dad is a fool unworthy of respect, let alone obedience. Whatever, whoever, however, whenever, we apply God's Word to correct and rebuke sins and errors. First, of course, within ourselves, but then also in love with those that we are responsible for and those that we have relationships with. But it's not all about correcting and rebuking. It's not all negative or about the law. Paul also says, encourage with all patience and teaching. A long time struggle against sin will likely mean a long time need for forgiveness applied to that sin. An ill-informed, godless decision will need good and godly information to be turned around. Everyone who still has an, an old man, the sinful nature, fight, you know, fighting it, which fights against our new nature in Christ, everyone then will suffer setbacks in the life of sanctification. And so we speak, we listen, we use, and we share the restoring, strengthening, guiding, healing, living, true and perfect Word of God for ourselves and for all who need it, we encourage with all patience and teaching. Sadly, the apostle warns us, as Jesus himself warned his disciples, that some who had been within the body of believers reach a point where they no longer care for the teaching of God's word. They will not put up with sound doctrine. Paul uses a great and, and memorable image. He describes them as having itching ears, which lead them to accumulate for themselves teachers in line with their own desires and to turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. It is not hard to see examples of this today in the church, maybe even in our own church. There are so many things that God says in the Bible that we do not want to listen to because it makes us uncomfortable. Things that are judging our sin or our friends' choices or instructing us to do things that put us at odd with our peers. And so we listen to other things and other voices that please us instead, that scratch our itch and tell us good things about ourselves. That is what our sinful flesh prefers. So we have to respond with something more powerful and perfect than that. The true Word of God, our Lord 
our Creator and Redeemer, which is the only authority that matters. There is no place for compromise or inaction when false doctrine raises its head and demands to be heard. Christ's church sticks to what He has to say. His word, the only truth, sound doctrine. And it leaves room for nothing else. You're no doubt seeing the pattern here. Keep a clear head in every situation, Paul says. Don't be confused by confusing times. Stick to the Word and let it instruct and guide you. Don't be overwhelmed by hard times. Bear hardship, holding on to the promises of God that we find in the Bible. Are there people that you know or meet who don't know Jesus as their Savior and are thus heading for the death and hell that He suffered and died to save them from? Well, do what an evangelist does. Give them the gospel of Christ crucified and risen to deliver them. Even verses 6 to 8 here, which begin Paul's farewell at the end of his letter, even they encourage Timothy and encourage all Christians to stand firmly on the Word of God, faithfully used and properly applied. He gives us the example of one who has fought the good fight, finished the race, who has kept the faith. His whole life since his conversion, his strength and energy, his heart, soul, and mind, all have been poured out before the Lord in service to the message of free and full salvation in Christ. And while not every believer has the same call to the ministry of the Word that Paul had, Every Christian has the same Word of God. The same Word of God to hear, to trust, to love, to follow, and to share, and to devote him or herself to. It is what life with God and life under the cross is all about. And we want to go where it takes us. The Apostle speaks of the crown of righteousness that is reserved for him and that will be given to him on the last day when the Lord, the righteous judge, returns. On that great day, our upside-down world will be turned finally and forever right side up. And all will not only make sense to us, but will give us perfect peace and joy for eternity. Not not because we earned or deserved it, but only graciously, beautifully, wonderfully because of God's grace to us in Christ, which we trusted just as Paul trusted. We will be crowned with perfect holiness because we have taken hold of the gospel of Christ with the hands of faith and because we look longingly with the eyes of faith for Christ to appear and take us home. So we have everything we need and everything that the people in our lives, our community, and our culture need to live safely, fearlessly, and confidently in an upside-down world. So we 
We gather in worship to hear the Word of God. We study the Bible in groups and on our own. We, we take its truths deep into our hearts and our minds, and then we carry them out in our lives. And we proclaim the Word through our representatives in, in pulpits and classrooms and mission fields. We share the gospel with the people in our lives who need to hear it. And we freely and firmly take our stand on the scriptures. We can do nothing else. Because in them we have our identity. We have God's own authority. And we have the message that everyone most desperately needs for life, for peace, for purpose, and for salvation. We have the answer for a world turned upside down. Thank you, Lord, for this precious gift. Alleluia. Amen. Please stand. Now to the King eternal, to the immortal, invisible, only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.